is anyone listening? I find myself saying that about, I don't know, three times a day at least uh, as a frustrated parent. Um, Of course, to me, my words are major words, but to my boys, well, sometimes they seem minor. Uh, Israel's prophets experienced the same frustration, but on an even grander scale as they faithfully listened to and wrestled with what God was telling them to say to God's people. They had major things to say, important things to say about faithfulness and justice and mercy and right living and right worship. And yet their words often seemed minor in the ears, in the hearts, in the lives of the people of Israel and of Israel's rulers. As Tim pointed out last week when we began our sermon series, some prophets in the Bible are known as minor prophets. And it's, it's not because their words are any less important. It's because the length of their, of their books are shorter relative to the length of some of the other prophetic books. They still have major things to say to us today. Last week, Hosea spoke major words to us about God's faithfulness, even in the face of our unfaithfulness. Today, we turn our attention to the minor prophet Habakkuk as he shows us what it is to wrestle with and to praise God even when there is tragedy and evil going on. Let us pray. Open our hearts, open our minds, O God, to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root, that it would grow us and transform us, that we might live for you and might bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from the prophet Habakkuk, chapter 3, verses 1 through 19. Listen for God's word. The prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shingenoth. Lord, I've heard your reputation. I've seen your work. Over time, revive it. Over time, make it known. Though angry, remember compassion. God comes from Taman and, from the, and the Holy One from the mountain of Paran. His majesty covers the heavens and his praise fills the earth. His radiance is like the sunlight with rays flashing from his hand. That is the hiding place of his power. Pestilence walks in front of him. Plague marches at his feet. He stops and measures the earth. He looks and sets out against the nations. The everlasting mountains collapse. The eternal hills bow down. The eternal paths belong to him. I saw the tents of Kushan under duress. The curtains of the land of Midian were quaking. Was the Lord raging against the rivers, or was your anger directed against the rivers? Or was your fury directed against the sea when you rode on your horses or rode your chariots to victory? You raise up your empty bow, uttering curses for the arrows. With rivers you split open the earth. The mountains see you and writhe. A flood of water rushes through. The deep utters its voice. It raises its hands aloft. Sun and moon stand still, stand high above. With the light your arrows shoot, your spear at the flash of lightning. In fury you stride the earth. In anger you tread the nations. You go out to save your people for the salvation of your anointed. You smash the head of the house of wickedness, laying bare the foundation up to the neck. You pierce the head of his warrior with his own spear. His warriors are driven off, those who take delight in oppressing us, those who take pleasure in secretly devouring the poor. You make your horses tread on the sea, turbulent waters foam. I hear my insides tremble. My lips quiver at the sound. 
Rottenness enters my bones. I tremble while I stand, while I wait for the day of distress to come against the people who attack us. Though the fig tree doesn't bloom and there's no produce on the vine, though the olive crop withers and the fields don't provide food, though the sheep is cut off from the pen and there is no cattle in the stalls, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my deliverance. The Lord is my strength. He will set my feet like the deer. He will let me walk upon the heights. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Lord, how long will I call out for help and you will not listen? I cry out violence, but you don't deliver us. Those are the very first words out of Habakkuk's mouth in chapter one. God, are you listening? All is not right. Much is not as it should be. And Habakkuk is taking his complaint, taking his outrage right to God in prayer. Habakkuk lived in the final few decades of the kingdom of Judah, which was the southern kingdom of Israel. This was an era of of great injustice, of idolatry and violence with the wicked prospering and exploiting the poor, corrupt leaders doing nothing. All this, and the prophet began to see the threat of Babylon looming on the horizon. Now, Habakkuk is unique because unlike all of Israel's other prophets, Habakkuk is not given the task to speak to Israel on God's behalf. He doesn't receive a word from God, which God tells him to proclaim to the people. All of his words are are addressed to God. He's recounting his own personal struggle with God's goodness and love when there is so much bad going on. So it's almost like he's speaking to God on Israel's behalf, on humanity's behalf, on his own behalf. A good and just God, but an unjust world. How? Why? This is the age-old tension, isn't it? The tension of a God of justice and love in a world full of evil and tragedy and injustice. Some people just can't live with this tension. And they run from faith. And they run from God, throwing up their hands in, in resignation. Others come up with oversimplified explanations that sometimes actually create more troubling questions than nice and tidy answers. How many of you have either experienced someone in one of those two places or have maybe been there yourself? And how many of us have found ourselves at one point or another crying out to God out louder in our hearts, how long, how long, God, are you listening because of something that has happened in our life or the life of someone that we know or love or care about? For people who profess a belief in God or for people that want so desperately to profess a belief in a good and loving God, it can be hard to reconcile God's character with all of the suffering and the pain the tragedy and the violence that we see and experience and hear about on an almost daily basis. The same was true with Habakkuk, a prophet who was deeply, deeply in tune 
to God's words and God's ways. I mean, that was kind of essential for being a prophet, right? You had to be deeply in tune and in close relationship with God to discern and understand God's truth and God's words and to hear it. So Habakkuk knew deeply what God was supposed to be like. He would have been formed by the story of of God delivering God's people from the unjust rule of Pharaoh in Egypt. He would have recited psalms that, that proclaimed righteousness and justice as the very foundation of God's throne, right? God's faithfulness reaches to the heavens. And, and, he also saw with his own eyes. He, he has lived experience where that things in Judah were bad. They were unjust. So the tension is real. Just God, unjust reality. And Habakkuk provides major words for us, a major prophetic witness. That is, neither giving up on God nor neatly explaining the tension away, but leaning into it with praise on our lips, with trust in our hearts, with faithfulness in our steps. The structure of Habakkuk as a whole is this series of prayerful dialogues between Habakkuk and and God. And the words that he uses take the form of, of a poetic lament. I mean, you heard in the scripture just the amount of poetry that was in there. Now, lament is a form of prayer that we've actually talked about before. I won't ask you about it, uh, quiz you, but uh, maybe some of you remember. Uh, for others, this may be new, but it's all throughout the Psalms in particular. Lament is how to pray in the tension between the way things are and the way things should be. It's how to be honest and faithful before God in prayer uh, and, and to be able to hold on to God without trying to make sense of things that simply don't make sense. So prayers of lament begin always with someone honestly lodging a complaint to God. Then there's the request for God to intervene and do something. Then there's some kind of expression of God's character, God's faithfulness or promises. And then there's usually, not always, but usually a statement of praise at the end in anticipation of God intervening. So Habakkuk makes his complaint the very beginning. We heard it. God, how long? How long is there going to be injustice and violence in Israel? People are not following your law, which is leading to violence and oppression, and the rulers are just ignoring it and perpetuating it. How long are you not going to answer? God responds by saying, yep, things are terrible. Things are so bad, I'm raising up Babylon, a foreign nation, to come in and just clean house. Habakkuk doubles down. Wait, you call that justice? They're even worse than we are, God. They deify power. They treat human beings like animals. They devour other nations. How can you be a just God and use them? What do you have to say about that? God responds by saying, Babylon will also be judged. God is, in other words, using them, but not endorsing them. And then God, in chapter 2, gives Habakkuk a vision of the perpetual and cyclical problems of all earthly kingdoms and the future hope of God's reign. It's like God acknowledges the tension that Habakkuk is naming. So in chapter 2, God says, Pity the one building the city with bloodshed, founding a village with injustice. In other words, whether that's Judah, whether that's Israel, whether that's Babylon, whether that's Rome, whether that's USA, whatever kingdom, 
and then a little bit later, but the land will be full of the knowledge of the Lord's glory just as the water covers the sea. There's that future hope for God's reign. So having complained and named the frustration and the tension after hearing God acknowledge it too, Habakkuk finishes his prayer with the scripture lesson that we had in chapter three this morning that we read. And basically he asks God to intervene in in his day as God has acted in the past. And he's referencing, of course, the Exodus. That's what all that poetic language in the scripture we read this morning is referring to. So he's saying, God, I've, I've heard about your reputation in the past. So how about you do that thing now that you did in Egypt? Do that thing right now, right here for us. I'll hope for that day. I'll wait for that day. I'll wait and hope for a future Exodus. You see, Habakkuk isn't trying to, to solve the tension. That's not how he expresses his faith in the midst of what's going on around him and in him. He honestly names it before God, and then he holds on to trust that is connected and stretched between God's faithfulness in the past and God's hope for promises in the future and action. It's only by, by doing this and holding on in this way that he is able to say in rather astonishing fashion at the end of that chapter, though all these bad things are happening, though, 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 I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. A couple of years ago, Lauren and I got the chance to hike some trails at the top of Grandfather Mountain. We had done some of the, the easy ones before, you know, the swinging bridge and, and all of that, but had never been able to do the more tra- challenging summit trails that traverse the top of Grandfather Mountain and some adjacent peaks. It is an absolutely epic trail, stunningly beautiful, and also incredibly challenging in some spots. There's some places where there is a ladder nailed into the rock face that you have to climb. And there are other places where there is a rope that is hung between two uh, tethering points or two posts. And you have to use the rope as you're climbing up the rock to navigate the tension between the trail going up and you wanting to go up and gravity wanting you to go down, wanting to pull you down. And so what do you do? You lean in, you grab hold of the rope, and you move up, faithfully putting one foot in front of the other. The tension is not resolved. It's traversed with help. It's traversed with help. Friends, that's what Habakkuk is witnessing for us. That's what he's modeling beautifully in the midst of the very real tension that he experiences between God's supposed goodness and justice and the continued cycles of evil and injustice in the world around him, Habakkuk leans into the tension. He takes hold of trust that's stretched between God's past faithfulness and promised future action, and he faithfully puts one foot in front of the other and keeps going. God, you've been faithful in the past to deliver us. You promised to deliver us again. So in the here and now, in the midst of this tension-filled world, though the fig tree doesn't bloom, though crops wither, though there are no cattle in the stalls, though things are not as there should be, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my deliverance. The tension is not resolved. It's traversed with God. The tension is not resolved. It's traversed with God. See, the very act of complaining to God presupposes some sort of baseline trust in God. The very act of praising in the midst of the bad 
exhibits just small steps of a faith-filled resistance to the forces of darkness and to the forces of despair. It's not naivete. It's not denial. It's not escapism. It's a faithful step after faithful step. Friends, I don't have to tell you, and you certainly don't have to be a prophet, to see that things are not as they should be. We see, we live in, we grapple with the tension between a good God and bad things happening. We hear, we say, we believe that God is good and loving and powerful and just and merciful and at the same time. A loved one dies too soon. Racism, violence, war, oppression, abuse, economic equality and exploitation, poverty can feel like trying to go up when everything is pushing down. God, are you listening? How long? We're in good company, friends. Prophets like Habakkuk wondered that. His way out wasn't to try to solve the problem. It wasn't to say, well, God only gives people what they deserve, so those experiencing injustice must deserve it. Or, well, I don't know, but everything happens for a reason. And his way out wasn't naivete, pie in the sky, denial, somehow escaping reality through simply praising God. And his way out wasn't to give up on God as if to say, well, God must not exist or must not be worth trusting. No, Habakkuk's major word is this. You approach God honestly and you complain. You navigate the tension, holding on to what you know about God's past faithfulness and what you hope God promises to do one day, trusting God as you take one step after another, making the choice over and over again to say hallelujah anyway. Say, God, I've heard about your reputation. I've seen your work before. I've heard about Jesus and his saving love. I've heard about his death and resurrection. I've I've, I've heard about life from death, hope from ashes, joy from mourning. I've heard about your healing power. I've seen what you've done in other people's lives to get them through unspeakably hard moments. God, do that again. Do that stuff again. You promised one day to wipe away every tear from every eye. And so, God, in the midst of this, I'm going to go step by step, holding on. Though dreams collapse, though people harm others just because of who they love, though some babies die before they get to take a first breath, though people can't get enough to eat, though my loved ones stop remembering who I was, though countries drop bombs on each other, what is your even though? What's your even though? Even though I will rejoice in the Lord anyway, I will say hallelujah anyhow, I will trust nevertheless. Because the most inspiring, the most convicting, the most powerful examples of faith that I can think of, they don't come from people praising God from the mountaintop, but from those who find a way to keep holding on to, to traverse the tension step by step while being honest with God. It's God's people in exile in Babylon. Alleluia, anyhow. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego under threat of being thrown into the fiery furnace. Alleluia, anyhow. It's Mary Magdalene before a cold, dark tomb. Alleluia, anyhow. It's persons worshiping while enslaved. Alleluia, anyhow. It's the tireless work of those laboring for civil rights and justice. Alleluia, anyhow. It's the underground church in China or the Middle East 
Hallelujah. Anyhow, it's a family devastated by tragedy. Hallelujah. Anyhow, it's the LGBTQ follower of Jesus struggling to be included in love. Hallelujah. Anyhow. The tension, the tension is real. Tension is real, friends. Can you feel it? Good and just God, often bad and unjust world. Habakkuk's major words are gift to us. The tension between how things are and how they, sh- and how they should be, if, if God is just and in charge, is not resolved by abandoning faith nor is it resolved with simple explanations or naive escapist worship. It's traversed by holding on to who God has been, what God has done, what God promises to do, just taking one faithful step at a time, moving forward as we reach deep, deep inside and choose to say over and over again, even if, Even if things fall apart, I will choose trust and joy in God my Savior. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.